Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack Out Podcast. Uh, I've lost track of episode numbers, so I can't even tell you what episode number this is. 20-something. Yeah. I'm not sure either. I think we're in the 20s somewhere. and Yeah, mid-20s maybe. Yeah. But uh, back tonight, um, this will be kind of, I guess it'll end up being like a month, maybe month-long project or so, but we're going to get it kicked off tonight. Um, we've mentioned before to you guys that we wanted to have some of the some of the listeners on some different people that we uh, interact with on to talk about uh, their success story from the uh, 2021 deer season. Um, sort of a virtual buck poll, I guess, is kind of the vision we had for this. So we're going to kick that off tonight. Uh, we have Travis back, who you guys know from the the property management episode we did back in what was that September August? I think it was August actually, because um, we were. I, yeah, it had to have been August. It was right before we left for out West. Yeah, that sounds right. I was thinking maybe August. So, um, yeah, a bit of a spoiler alert, I guess, but some of that property management paid off this year and now he's on to talk about, uh, some success for 2021. Thanks for having me back on, uh, congratulations on what do you say? 25 episodes somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. We gotta be mid twenties. I think we're getting mm-hmm. there. So I remember uh was it a couple years ago you guys started talking about doing this podcast thing and i i i was asked to help you guys demo a recording and i don't think it ever got off the ground at the time is that correct that's accurate yeah we so. we we toyed around with it we each bought a uh a cheap mic to kind of run to try we had this this grand idea and then it went nowhere um then this time around, we we said, "Well, let's let's just do it. Let, let's try it out for a couple of years, see where it goes." And we're having fun with it. I mean, our audience isn't huge, but it's enjoyable to do. We get to have conversations that, you know, we we've had some conversations that we normally wouldn't have, and then we get to tell some stories that normally wouldn't get told, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm super proud of you guys. I am guilty. I haven't listened to every one of your episodes, but I've listened to quite a few. And the ones I have listened to have been very enjoyable. And I think, Aaron, you know as well as anybody, I don't listen to podcasts. Um, So for me to listen to one repeatedly uh, is pretty, that's quite the accomplishment. So that says something about what you guys are doing. So congratulations. Appreciate that. That's cool. Appreciate it. Good to Um, have you back. Yeah, thanks. I'm I'm happy to be back. I'm happy that uh, the year was good to me, and I have reason to come back. Other than to talk about, you know, land management, instead I get to talk about some deer, which is even better. <laughs> um, I had a good year. Uh, it wasn't. I mean, I killed two bucks uh, on my property. That's not exactly what made it a good year. Um, it definitely helped, but you know, I learned a lot of things again this year. Um, I tried some new things, failed at some new things, had a near death encounter falling out of a tree stand, um, proceeded to hunt the rest of that day. Oh boy. But when when did that. this happen? I don't remember this text. I sent you pictures of the tree stand hanging almost upside down in the tree. And oh, I do remember that. Yeah. I think it was right. actually the second time out in bow season. I climbed, I've these old big wooden ladder stands and I climbed the tree and the strap had come loose. So the entire stand pivoted around the tree and oh, no. fell as far as it could fall before the strap caught it. And meanwhile, I'm dangling from a tree. So I strapped myself in and positioned as well as I could and kept hunting. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> I had to, my dad had me checking in like every 15 minutes to let him know I was still alive and hadn't fallen yet. But uh, ended up being a pretty good day and no harm, no foul. I fixed the stand when I was done and sat in it several times after that. So could have been worse, I guess. Not a, not a great experience to have, but sounds like it certainly could have been worse. No, but it definitely, uh, uh, a, a good reminder of why we're safe in the woods and why we do the things that we do in the woods to be safe and check your stands, uh, to anybody listening, check your stands before the season, uh, preferably in daylight, you know, so you're not like me hanging from a tree in the dark at five 30 in the morning. Um, 
but yeah, so I have heard worse stories where people fall and, you know, it's yeah, on a serious note, definitely check your stands and wear a safety harness. Um, but yeah, uh, so sure. I know I'm not here to talk about safety. Um, that's boring, <laughs> but uh, it would have it would have been a lot more interesting story had I fallen, but I didn't. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, did. it was a what's up? We're glad you didn't fall. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, it was a good year. Uh, bow season was, you know, exciting and fun. Didn't kill anything with my bow. Saw a lot of good deer. Uh, several really good bucks. Uh, I passed one of the biggest bucks I've ever had the opportunity to pass on. And, you know, it's funny how gratifying that actually is uh, in, in comparison to shooting a nice buck. Um, definitely not as exciting as shooting a trophy, but exciting in its own right, um, to see one walk away. Also terrible because you're second guessing yourself the entire way. But, um, I almost think getting a picture of a big buck is as exciting as killing one. Um, so that was really cool. Um, I really, really wanted to shoot a doe with my bow this year and I just couldn't pull the trigger. I had opportunities. Uh, I just. I don't know what it is. I, I can't do it. It's kind of like if I don't shoot one early on, I'm not going to shoot one until late December. And that's kind of how this year played out. So, but uh, a couple of the bucks I did kill uh, were exciting uh, in their own right. Uh, one of them was a really, really nice buck that I'd been after for a while. The other one I had never seen before uh, just caught me on the right day and super proud of that buck too. Um, but not quite as exciting of a story to tell. He kind of just popped out of the woods and, you know, I hadn't been after him at all. I hadn't seen him before. So it was just kind of got caught up in the moment and killed a really nice buck and got lucky. Really. That's what it comes down to on that one. I got lucky. Um, but I'll tell a story today about the, the really nice one that I had the opportunity to kill this year. Um, it goes back to, you know, the first, the first sit during bow season, I saw him for the first time. Um, I don't think I had had him on camera yet at that time. And I went out the first day. Uh, it was, it must've been, it's probably the first week of bow season. I got home from work one night and just sat in a stand right next to the house. And, uh, I couldn't see a lot. There were too many leaves on the trees, but what I could see was a little bit of a bean field. And, you know, I kept an eye on that because partially it was almost all that I could see with so many leaves, but, I knew if I was going to see anything, it was probably going to be out there. So I was watching out there and uh, I got new binoculars this year. So I was super excited to use those. Um, but uh, two of the first deer I saw all season were two really nice bucks. And one of them was this one. And he wasn't like your typical trophy. Uh, he wasn't like a 20 inch spread with, you know, 18 inch tines or anything like that. He was just, he was kind of a goofy deer with a ton of mass. Um, just a super thick, super old deer, um, really neat shape. And when I saw him the first time, I kind of knew that he was a buck I probably wanted to kill. Um, not just because he was, wasn't not just because he was an interesting buck, but you know, they're the, it's just the type of buck you want to kill. Um, I know there's conflicting arguments of can, um, non-typical bucks rebound and become, you know, beautiful racks and whatnot. But, um, I see a lot of non-typical deer over here and it's not necessarily a goal of mine to kill them but if i see an old mature one i'm probably going to uh, take the opportunity if i get it so that's what happened with this one there was actually two of them one of them was even weirder than the first one uh, and i saw that one a couple of times never got a chance to shoot him actually the closest i got to him was you know i was standing in my kitchen and he walked through my backyard um <laughs> so that was frustrating, but it was cool to watch him from, you know, that perspective, not sitting in a tree stand. He knew I was there. I knew he was there. He didn't really care. He knew I was inside and wasn't really clearly wasn't afraid. Um, but so, yeah, anyways, I had seen this one really nice buck uh, several times throughout the year, but never got a chance at him. And then I think it was had to be like November. I think November 13th, which here in Michigan is two days before the rifle or gun season opener. Uh, I had seen him again for the first time in quite a while uh, from a distance. And 
you know, I tried to get him that day. That was still with my bow. And I sat all day trying to get him then. And, you know, I saw him from 200 yards away. And obviously, there's no chance at that distance. Uh, so I sat in a different spot that night and never saw him again. And I kind of knew what he was doing. Uh, I had a pretty good idea of what he was doing. I don't have a whole lot of deer on my property, but the deer I do have uh, tend to travel in a pattern. So um, even even during that time of year when, you know, bucks aren't traveling in patterns, they're kind of going to the does. The does are still predictable. Um, they're going to come out on the beans at night. They're going to travel in groups. Um, so if I can put myself in front of them, I knew I had a chance. And so I think, I think it was actually a crappy day the day before gun season started. Uh, so November 14th, it would have been a Sunday. I don't think I hunted that day because it was just awful. I, I don't remember if it was rain. Pretty sure it rained all day the day before gun season. So I didn't get a chance to go out with my bow one last time like I had hoped. But, uh, so I got ready for gun season and, you know, I took that Monday off work, uh, as does, you know, half of Michigan, um, and probably neighboring States as well. Um, but it was kind of funny cause you know, I have a two year old at home and my mom watches my daughter most days. Well, she couldn't watch my daughter that day. And so I felt a little bit guilty, like, all right, I'm taking the day off. I don't really have to have a babysitter, but I still need to find someone to watch my daughter so I can hunt. So my mother-in-law came to my house to watch our daughter for the day. Meanwhile, I'm sitting 200 yards away in a deer blind, <laughs> knowing that, you know, I got a babysitter up at the house. But, you know, you know, when my wife and I got married, we had a mutual understanding that these kind of things were going to happen. So it wasn't too bad, but um, I felt a little bit guilty nonetheless. But uh, so I sat up uh, in a little blind that I only put up for gun season. Uh, I put it right at the end of a, a long bean field. Um, and I knew that I had a pretty good chance of seeing deer there, whether I was going to see one of the big ones or not, I didn't know. Um, but I knew I was going to see a bunch of does. Um, so that's where I sat opening day. It gave me a good probability to shoot something decent uh, if it was out there. And, you know, I had a pretty good idea it was because I saw him a couple days prior so I put myself in what I thought was the best position to get an opportunity at that deer. And it was a great morning. Um, it was windy, if I recall. Opening day was very windy. Um, I don't think it rained, um, but I, was, I remember being thankful that I was in a deer blind because I believe it was very windy. Um, but uh, I sat that morning, and I don't think I saw anything, actually. I think the morning was terrible. Uh, I remember texting my friends and saying... I, asking if they were hearing gunshots because I sure wasn't, which is not typical for a Michigan, you know, opening morning. Usually there's gunshots before daylight for some odd reason. Um, but this year there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of gunshots and there weren't a lot of deer, but you know, I knew I had a babysitter up at the house and I knew if I went in for lunch, I was probably done for the day. So I decided I was going to sit all day. Um, uh, not something I'm generally going to do if I'm not seeing deer, but uh, it's definitely something I enjoy doing. Excuse me. I know a lot of people talk about some of their best deer are killed between 10 and 2. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying I don't see a whole lot of deer between 10 and 2. Um, but I do sit all day often um, just because it's sometimes it's easier than going up to the house and changing or whatever. But so I uh, I sat all day. Opening day, afternoon was slow. I definitely might have taken a nap uh, somewhere in there, you know, and the sun starts to hit you and the day gets long. And um, woke up in the late afternoon and uh, not a lot going on, but, you know, towards evening, uh, a couple deer had popped out nearby. And my dad, who was also hunting on a different property, texted me and asked if anything was going on. And I remember distinctly telling him that 10 or so does just came out and walked into the field. And I was shocked that one of the bucks that I had seen, whether it be a big one or a small one, wasn't following them does. I mean, it's rare to see 10 does traveling alone that time of year. So I was, I was surprised and kind of a little bit discouraged, but not terribly just, you know, there was still an hour or so of daylight left and, you know, no sooner did I send that message to my dad 
I looked up and from almost the same exact spot I had seen the deer two days prior, here he come out of the woods and was walking right to that group of does. And uh, he had his head down. He wasn't stopping. He wasn't hot on him. He wasn't running. He was just walking slow towards him with his head in the ground, nose to the ground. And um, unfortunately, at that point, the does hadn't got much closer than or hadn't got had gotten so far away from me that it was going to be a long shot whether I waited or not. And I think at about I ranged him first at about 200 yards and uh, he got into about 180. And that's where I decided to shoot him. And um, I have a 450 Bushmaster. So I was I had just shot a couple days prior out to 200 yards. So I was confident that I was sighted into 200 yards. So I was very, very comfortable shooting at 180 yards. And uh, especially sitting out of a blind, uh, I have a gun rest. So uh, that definitely makes it a little more doable. If I was freestanding or in a tree, probably not. But in that blind, I felt pretty comfortable with it. So so at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon, after sitting all day, I finally got a shot, and um, I shot at 180 yards. I had ranged him there, and uh, he ran about 25 yards or so towards the woods and just stopped and stood there. And, you know, at that point, adrenaline's pumping, and, you know, there wasn't much of a reaction from the deer, so I didn't know. I mean, I thought I'd put a good shot on him, but I wasn't real sure. Uh, so I did what any guy would have done and I, you know, racked another round and I fired again and, you know, I watched him jump up and run into the woods and then I lost him. So I knew where he went into the woods. Um, and you know, any hunter that's been in those shoes, it's a, it's a good feeling, but it's also a terrifying feeling. Cause you know, if you don't see that deer go down, it's, it's scary. Um, nobody wants to wound a deer for one, uh, especially a buck like that. So, uh, you know, I, I I'm trained to wait. Uh, to sit and wait, let the deer die just in case. But I didn't. Uh, I I jumped out of my blind and you know I ran over there just because I couldn't wait. I mean I didn't I didn't know what had happened. I didn't want it to get dark. I didn't want to not be able to find blood. Um, if I had to, I knew I couldn't see the deer from where I was at. So I got up there and at the very least I would be able to mark the spot where it went into the woods. And if I had to come back later, I could. Uh, but fortunately, I got up there and I got to the edge of the woods and he was laying right there in the edge of the woods. Um, didn't have to track him. Um, didn't I never even really looked to see, you know, if I hit him with the first shot. I'm pretty confident that that's the shot that killed him. Um, he definitely I once I retrieved the deer, I found both entry points. Um, definitely one of them was lethal. The other one uh, maybe would have killed him, just not right away. So. Which one was which, I'm not positive. Um, I'm pretty confident it was the first shot, but, uh, you know, or at least I hope it was. Um, but either way, it got the job done. And, you know, I was just happy that, A, I retrieved the deer. B, I didn't have to track the deer. You know, I didn't wound the deer. You know, that's always my first thought is, man, I don't want to wound a deer. That's every hunter's worst nightmare, I think. And, you know, anytime you get a good clean kill and, you know, it happens quick. It's, it's definitely rewarding. So, so yeah, uh, when I've got the tractor and that's the, if you don't own a tractor for any other reason, retrieving deer, uh, I, I actually had to drag a deer once this year and I forgot how awful of a chore it was, especially for a guy like me. I mean, I'm sure you guys have no problem pulling deer. Um, for those of you that can't see me, let's just say I have a good face for a podcast. Um, I'm overweight and short and uh, not the type that would want to be pulling a deer through a field. So I have a tractor that does that. And, you know, it, one of its primary purposes is to haul deer. So. So, yeah, that was uh, that was opening day. And actually, I didn't sit again for another week. Um, that was on a Monday. Uh, I didn't hunt the rest of that work week. But then that Saturday, following Saturday, I went out again. And, uh, I sat in a blind and I didn't see much deer, but I saw two coyotes take out, take off out in the field. And I was able to kill one of the coyotes, but not the other. So I kind of wrapped it up early that day and, uh, wasn't going to hunt that afternoon. Got comfortable in the house, kicked back to watch Michigan state and Ohio state. And, you know, I got the, op 
the game was over pretty quickly. Um, so I had the opportunity to go out that night, which I didn't expect to, and happened to be, that's when I got lucky on the second buck. Uh, he just popped out next to me. I, had, I don't think I was sitting for more than a half an hour and there he was. So it was just a good day. And so, uh, then I didn't hunt again for another month and I went hunting again in December to kill a doe when I was able to harvest a doe. So I hunted three times, four times during gun season and harvested three deer, two bucks and a doe. So plus a coyote, and I guess you could count that, but so I had a really, really good gun season. Um, definitely I think bow season was a little more rewarding as far as that goes. Cause I got to spend more time in the woods, but I'm never, never going to complain about going three for four in gun season. So definitely fortunate fortunate in that regard so what'd your dad think about the buck i know that i know that you two hunt together quite a bit and he's taught you a lot about land management and uh curious what his what his reaction was yeah he was uh um i think anytime i kill a deer he's equally or more excited than i am uh, just to see everything he's learned and taught me through the years kind of come to fruition and especially one like this or the last couple of years when you know, I'm setting my own stands and setting my own blinds and choosing where to hunt. I mean, growing up, it was go sit over there. The wind's going out of this direction or I put a blind in that into the woods for you. Go sit there. Whereas nowadays it's not that that way. I mean, I'm responsible for my own hunts and, you know, from the planning to the execution. And so I think that's super rewarding for him to be able to share everything he knows and then see it, you know, come to fruition like it does. And you know, his standards are definitely a little higher than mine are nowadays. I think mine are much higher than his were when he was my age. But uh, that was, you know, 750 inch deer ago for him. So, you know, when I shoot 135, 140 inch deer, the first thing I hear every time, like clockwork, is that would have been a great one next year. And, you know, I just got used to it. That's the way it is. You know, him and his buddy Terry, that's the first thing they'll tell me is, man, he'd have been a good one next year. You know, and I know they're joking. They're they're, he, they're not wrong. He would have been a great deer next year. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with any buck that gets you excited, you know. And what gets me excited is, you know, not quite as big of a deer as what it takes for my dad. But, you know, this deer, though, I mean, he would have shot. I, I'm, comf I'm confident he would have shot this deer as well. Um, the deer is not going to score well. I don't, I don't score many of my deer, um, but it wouldn't score well just because of how atypical it was. I think it ended up being, you can classify it an eight point because you could have hung a keychain on one of the little stickers, um, on each side, but it was for all intents and purposes, a six point, um, just a really, really big six point, which happens to be the second really, really big six point that I've shot, um. But I would say it's, I'm confident it's a four and a half year old deer. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's tough to pass a four and a half year old deer ever. Um, when they get that kind of mass on them, I mean, they're just beautiful creatures at that age and you almost hate to do it, but at the same time, it's hard not to. Well, that was a pretty cool story, Trav. Um, you know, I know that you and I had texted about it, but hearing it is so much different. It's a lot better than, you know reading through texts, you shot a buck, blah, blah, blah. Like hearing it, hearing the emotion behind it, it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, you had a good year with, you know, 2021 behind us now into the off season, which, which your dad would very much call this still in season with how much work he does in the woods. What are you looking forward to most going into this year? Yeah, I'd say he, my dad would tell you 2022 has already started. Um, and he's not wrong. I think it's New Year's Day this year was, what, a, a Saturday. That Sunday, he was in the woods uh, working on stuff for next year. And I think that's what I'm looking forward to most going into next year is, you know, learning as much as I can from my dad and, you know, ha him helping me uh, develop the property further. And, you know, I've already started doing a couple of things and, you know, getting ready for 2022 and, you know, just uh, doing everything I can between now and October 1st to ensure that, you know, those three months are uh, as equally rewarding or better than they were this year. And, you know, hopefully, you know, enjoying it as much as I did and getting to share it with those that I enjoy sharing it with, including you guys. I enjoy sharing it with you guys.
All right, and next up in our campfire uh, deer stories, virtual buck pole kind of deal is Jake Waslowski. Um, Jake is uh, from Central PA. Uh, you hunt in Central PA as well, right? Yep, I hunt. Uh, yeah, in Central Pennsylvania. Yeah, Central Penn. Yeah, we don't have to get specific with counties yeah, yeah. or DMUs or anything like that. Um, yeah. So um, go ahead and take it away. I uh, probably won't ask too many questions. I'll just let you do your thing. Okay. Yep. Um, so this year I was able to hunt a little harder than I have been the last couple of years. And, uh, I was going out a couple of times a week and not, not really seeing too many deer, or really anything at all. And then the, uh, first day that I was able to go out during the, when the rut really went into swing, I, uh, started calling at about 20 after seven. First light was, I think it was six nineteen. And, uh, so I started calling, I could hear a buck grunt like shortly after I started and, uh, I was watching him. He came in closer and closer, got to about 15 yards and it was, it was a colder morning than, uh, had been all season. I had my fleece neck gaiter on whenever I put my kisser button on, it must've just put it a little bit off. And I shot him right in the shoulder blade. And it was my first buck with a bow. Like, I've shot many bucks before, but that was my first one with a bow. So it could have been, like, nerves or that. But I shot him right in the shoulder blade. I saw the arrow sticking out really far. He uh, turned, and first thing he did was knock that arrow off against a tree. So I got down out of my tree stand and looked. I saw I only had about three or four or so inches of uh, penetration on my arrow and um the blood wasn't very strong i instantly looked it up on my phone to see like with the color blood and everything how long i should wait and uh, it said with the shot that i had to not really waste much time and hurry up and go after it but kind of like still hunt because it's probably not gonna die so i did that called my dad to have him come out and help if I needed it. And so I tracked it for probably 200 yards and every drop of blood I found was just pure luck. It was every 20 yards I'd find a, a, a drop. So I was doing just circles. I'd find a drop and then just keep looking until I found one. What color of blood were you getting? It was bright red. So, um, I would find a drop, hang a glove up on the tree and then just keep doing circles. So I found it eventually I kicked a deer up and I just saw a deer running. Like it was in the like path of where that deer should have been. So it just started running. So I stopped and I collected myself again and tried to come up with another game plan. And I waited for probably 15 minutes and then I kept going and I saw where it had bedded down. And the blood still bright red, but there were chunks of it looked like fat in it. So I didn't know if maybe it was going to start clogging up or what. But by that time, my dad had just pulled up. So we stood there and talked about what to do. And we're just like finding blood every 20 yards. We'd find a drop of blood with like that little white chunk in it. And then I started finding bubbles in the blood like whenever you get a lung shot. So like my hopes of finding the deer went up quite a bit. And uh, we kept looking and we jumped another deer, which was the same deer. And it went, it went tearing off. Like nothing was hindering it at all. And uh, then my, I actually called my dad off of checking traps. So like he had to go cause he had other stuff to do, but I found what I thought was the last drop of blood and no, no more of the chunks of stuff. So I looked there, I couldn't find another drop, did circles again, walked down to where that deer was at, that I had seen running, no blood there, but I could tell where it ran. <clears throat> and, uh, like, at that point, I kind of lost hope. 
And uh, I was like, well, I'll continue along where that deer that I saw was going, not knowing that that was the deer that I shot. Cause I, I could just tell it was a deer. I couldn't tell it was a buck. And, uh, I just followed where the leaves were busted up and that happened to be the deer. And if I wouldn't, if I would have stopped right whenever I was about to, I'd have never found it. Cause I pulled up my binoculars and I was just scanning and I saw it laying there like probably 300 yards from the last drop of blood. That's incredible. So you, how long, how long mileage do you think? And how long, um, hours did it take until you found deer? It was probably five hours, give or take. Mileage-wise, I think I looked it up on my Onyx. Like, I tried to roughly trace it because I was just kind of going back and forth. I, it was like a mile and a half. That's a pretty good distance. It didn't go that far. That's just, like, how much ground I covered. Like, because I, I had to, like, zigzag looking for blood. And, but I'd say from where I shot it to where I found it was probably – four or 500 yards. Okay. So it's still a good distance. Yeah. Yeah. And I barely like the, from right off the get go with that little tiny bit of blood on my arrow, the broadhead broke off. So when I was like looking at the deer to try to figure out like what had happened. So my broadhead punched through the shoulder blade, but barely. And then whenever it turned and hit that tree, it snapped the broadhead right off. And the broadhead like just stayed in the lung. And every time that deer got up to run, it just kind of tore it up a little bit more. So like those chunks that I thought were fat were chunks of lung. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was super lucky to find it. Like I, you know how whenever you shoot a deer and you're having a hard time finding it, you get that like gut punch feeling. Oh yeah. feels like someone just really hits you in the gut. You get that, uh, upset stomach kind of a feel. Yeah. I I never got that feeling with this. Cause I, I was, after I saw the bubbles in the blood, I got like a surge of confidence that I was going to find it. And, uh, so I just kept looking until, until I did, but it was, it started to, you know, feel like I wasn't going to, but I just stuck with intuition, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You, that was a smart move by, uh, just continually going in the direction that it kept going and, um, pulling up your binoculars and scanning what your, uh, what was the moment like when your dad was there and you found it and you got up to it and whatnot? Uh, my dad actually wasn't there whenever I found it. Cause he had, he was in the process of checking traps. So he had to go back to checking traps cause it was getting kind of late. And I called him and he, he said that uh, he probably would have given up, but if honestly, if it wasn't for him and like whenever we had jumped that deer, it, if like, I don't know that I would have jumped it cause we were split up. So we're both walking. So I don't know which one of us made it run, but had we not seen it run, I never would have known which direction it went. Right. That's pretty cool though, man. But you did you did find that there, it was a lung hit when you uh, field dressed it. Yep, I just one lung, one lung. Yep, yep. One lung deer can go a ways, long oh, yeah. ways. What? Uh, how big was the buck? This was your first buck with a bow, right? Yeah, it was my first buck with a bow. It was a fairly small six point. Okay, but honestly, this year that was the first legal buck I saw. And, uh, just the, the whole situation, like I started with, uh, a couple like doe bleats and then I grunted a couple times after that. So I started calling at 620. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Started calling at 617. I started two minutes before, uh, legal shooting light. And then by 625, he was grunting and coming in. He must've been bedded nearby then. It sounds yeah, like he, he had to have been super close. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Your first buck with a bow is something that, um, I mean, I just got my first buck with a bow probably three years ago and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget how it, how it all went down time of day, the shot, the track, everything about it. So congrats to you, dude. That's pretty sweet. Thank you. 
Yeah. And, uh, that's a pretty cool story though. Like, I mean, sometimes, you know, those, those deer aren't easy and you got to persevere through uh, a tough track. And, um, what's something that you, uh, took away from this hunt that you'll maybe practice in the off season or that you'll, uh, that you learned from it? Uh, definitely to, uh, practice shooting with all of the gear that I might be wearing. I think that was the, the biggest factor because just that quarter inch separation from that fleece neck gaiter that I was wearing, it just, I think it just pushed me a little bit too far forward. So definitely just to practice more with any possible combination of gear that I might be wearing. Yep. Yeah. That's a good thing for everyone to, to understand. I use a, I use a hinge, not, not a hinge release, a thumb button release. And if I have something on my face, um, something too thick on my face, then it can get in the way and it can push stuff off depending on the distance. So, um, any big plans for this upcoming season or, um, kind of sticking to central PA? Um, for now, sticking to central PA, my dad and I had talked about going to, uh, Virginia for Sika deer, but with, uh, other plans this year, I don't know if I'm going to have the time to do that, but it's a, it's a possibility. Well, that'd be a cool hunt. I've, you know, seen videos of guys doing that. I got to see Sika deer on uh, Assateague Island in Maryland. Uh, went down there for a beach weekend and uh, they're different critters, that's for sure, but they're cool looking. So hopefully you guys get to do that and hopefully you have another good season in Central PA. Thank you. Next up, we have Matt Michalik, who you guys know from episode, I think it was episode 18. Uh, Matt and Kyle were on talking about their Colorado elk experience. Um, if you guys listen, you may remember that it was a little bit of a rough trip for Matt as far as uh, success goes, but in the deer woods back here in Michigan this fall, things were much better. So um, I know you scored on a couple couple bucks, Matt, and I'll let you take it away. All right. Yeah. So I guess if any of your listeners are familiar, um, I, I forfeited a lot of my early season hunting uh, just because I was going on that elk trip. So, and we have a one-year-old, so I was helping out the wife or the kid and stuff and putting in the brownie points so I could hunt later. <laughs> um, and then went out there, uh, you know, screwed up on elk, came back and it was, it was war on the woods after that, <laughs> you know, um, I was ready. I had an empty freezer and it was time to fill it. Um, so we nice came bit back. of redemption. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we came back, uh, I don't know, end of October. I think the first time I got out really was uh, Halloween out out here around, I'm around Lansing, mid-Michigan area. And there was still, you know, just out on public land, it was still packed. The, the covert hunters are still pretty thick. Um, set up a couple times, I moved around. And then, you know, just seeing new tree stands popping up that hadn't been there last year, even even the weekend before I would go out and then you know nothing. And then leading into kind of firearm opener that weekend, I was like, okay, I'm hunting all weekend solid uh, and went down, stayed at our in-laws. I'm pretty fortunate. Uh, they have their houses on 80 acres and uh, 40 of it is field. They run out and then 40 of it is woods with like a swamp and there's uh, tree stands or pop-up blinds or you, you kind of, play the wind and uh pick which which little area around that swamp that you want to sit uh for what you can get to easiest and uh we happen to have in that field that was being running out like half of it was hay and then the back half in the corner of the woods was corn and it was the only standing corn in the area really and so i when we got down there and they said well we've been hunting and they'd shot I don't know, like five deer or something out of there already. They said, you you get to pick where you want to sit. I was like, okay, well, I'm sitting on that cornfield. <laughs> um, and so get all set up. Uh, this is Saturday morning, so it's like the 13th November because um, the opener was the 15th is Monday, I think. So on a 13th Saturday morning, uh, going out there, and I walk down the field edge or the woods, you know, in between there, there's like that, that strip of 10 yards where the corn doesn't really grow, you know, from the shade of the trees. And so it's a pretty quiet, easy entrance to get back there in the corner. Um, 
I get to one of the tree stands to set up, start climbing it, and uh, it's this old wood ladder, and the top rungs are pulling out the nails. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, this plan isn't going as expected. I, I don't feel safe going up that. And so I backed out, and like, like 50 yards before that was a, a pop-up blind my father-in-law had set out. And says, well, I'm just going to scoot back. You know, I'll still be sitting the edge here just a little bit into the woods uh, off this cornfield. And sat there, and um, I ended up on that walk-in. I did blow out some turkeys. <clears throat> and so all morning, these turkeys had scattered, and they were trying to find each other in the corn. And I was like, man, I wish I had a turkey tag and a call with me. That would have been, <laughs> you know, I could have redeemed my, my entrance into the weekend here then. But, uh. Instead, I just got to listen to him, and then around like 9 o'clock, you know, I'm starting to get antsy of sitting there, and decided, uh, well, you know what, it's that time of year, I'll blow a couple grunt calls, and uh, blew a couple grunts, waited 15 minutes probably, blew a couple more, waited about 15 minutes, and and then all of a sudden you hear it, you know, just like you see on TV of a deer is coming through that corn straight at you through the rows. And I see the the little halo. I mean, he's not a big buck or anything, but you, you see the, the loop around of the horns come up out of the corn and the head poke up and, and that shorter stuff at the edge where it was starting to grow in. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is on. And um, he came out uh, kind of angled, angling away from me a little bit and to go more towards that corner of the woods. And I, I would drew back because I had an opening in a V of these two trees. I was like, as soon as he steps through there, I'm going to pull it. Well, he got right where his head was in that. And he turned and looked at me and must've saw me like drawing the bow. And then he saw me <laughs> stopped. So he sp spun around, but then he, he came out past the trees back the other direction and stood there and he's at 15 yards and I was still drawn but um I had to reposition myself a little bit so I I'm up off of my seat <laughs> into the corner of the pop-up uh because those things could be a little bit you know your bow catches and stuff and you got to be up off the window and uh, I had to reposition myself a little bit awkwardly but pulled off the shot 15 yards and he just did the old loop around half circle probably didn't even go 25 yards in that cornfield and drop. Um, so wait a little bit, uh, text my father-in-law, you know, shot a deer out of your blind. <laughs> text my wife, you know, you're going to be blood trail and she loves the blood trail. Um, so she was happy. Uh, so I went and grabbed my arrow, checked it. And the, the trail into the corn there, just, you know, it's picture perfect. Um, and so we went in, had breakfast, came back out, and, I mean, yeah, he wasn't 25 yards from that pop-up blind just laying there. He was double long, and I was like, there's my redemption um, from for missing out on those elk. So, yeah, that's why it's supposed um, to work out. That's awesome. Yep, and that was, like I said, it wasn't a huge buck, but the excitement of, you know, it's just that, that like, TV story of them just coming after that call, coming through the corn, you know. He wasn't might not be huge but he still made that noise got you real excited <laughs> um so it was pretty cool um and then yeah so sat there again i think the next morning didn't see anything um and i kind of moved around like that night i didn't sit there i sat at a different spot uh actually like kind of closer to the house but over the hay field because um, i was like well if they're working those edges coming out to feed and stuff at night and i saw a couple way off and then it was opening morning um we were kind of like deciding where we wanted to sit and uh my father-in-law had been seeing some deer and he had he had shot at one um or no no that was that morning so he had been seeing deer in the very back uh edge like along the property line of the neighbor's field um and that one was corn that was off already but he'd still be seeing them coming out of the corner of the swamp back there. So he was like, I'm going to go to the very back. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to sit. Um, I don't want to be the other edge has some new landowners with all these houses trading hands kind of during COVID and stuff. And this guy had 
come over and ask permission to trail deer and stuff. So we knew he hunted when he built a big gun blind, like right on the property line. And so we were like, we don't know if he's going to be shooting over this way or not. So my thought was hopefully with him and the other property owners along there, they would push the deer <laughs> deeper into the woods our way. Um, so I chose to sit in the swamp, like the, uh, this hill that kind of wraps around the edge of that and a little bit into the woods off of their property line where hopefully they'd be kind of pushing them towards us and get out there. <clears throat> um, you know, all excited because gun opener in Michigan is a big deal. And text all, text everybody, hey, good luck, you know. Um, I think around 745, one of my buddies texts me. It's, he's like, we're already – we're already done hunting. I had the girl with me. It's 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 time to go road hunting. You know, <laughs> and it was uh, right after that, like like seven forty five. Uh, this this buck comes out behind me. I heard him, and coming from kind of the neighbors over there, that corner. So he must have been bedded pretty close to their uh, their property line there. And he's coming around behind me, so I had to kind of twist around in the tree to get a good view. And he came up, wrapped over the hill, just nosed the ground. I mean, he was he was sniffing after something that must have been through there before I got out in the tree stand and uh, just nosed the ground sniffing. And then he stopped and picked his head up when I picked my gun up and probably 35, 40 yards, shot him, uh, kind of clipped the heart and lungs. And he, he continued on down the hill and laid at the bottom. And um, We are kind of worried about the processor said, hey, we're not taking deer, probably. <laughs> we, we don't have room for very many uh, when I'd taken in that one on Saturday. Um, luckily, his biggest customer is uh, my my wife's grandpa. He's his most loyal customer. He takes a lot of deer to him. And, and so we talked our way in for that first buck on Saturday. So then Sunday I shot, and my, my father-in-law texts me from his blind, and he's like, hey, I heard shooting was at you. And I said, yeah, I shot one. He's right here in front of me. Um, he was like, do you need help? We need to get it over there. I was like, no. I'll call up uh, Becky, my wife, tell her, hey, you got to come blood trail again. <laughs> Even though I could see it right there. But <laughs> um, I was going to need help, you know, a little bit. I wanted her to bring the deer cart down. <laughs> and uh, uh, we got it over there by, I don't know, like 830 in the morning because we wanted to be quick and, and try and get, you know, those few spots left in the freezer. Um which was pretty cool. And then he was, uh, we were talking to him and I think at weekend he was at like 550 deer or something. And, um, when I picked up my deer, he was at a thousand. I mean, just gun season just really rips into him. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. I heard of a lot of places like that this year that where they stopped taking deer. Yep. Yep. It was, I think there's less and less people in the, well, the restrictions, I think talking to him, I mean, this, I, I guess I didn't, say this was a, a pretty decent size uh, six point um and so i was pretty excited opening morning buck like that and um but you get there and you know do you want the head or whatever for testing and because uh, this is a cwd core area and i said yes after the elk fiasco if anyone listened to that we had two of the three elk test positive so now i was a little wary about deer too that <laughs> makes you think about it a little um, yeah so I was like, yes i want to take take them for testing and check into the DNR station and stuff. And they both came back negative, but talking to the butcher a little bit, he said he was on a program where he was given, I think five heads a day to the DNR just for them to test in the area. So it was kind of interesting talking with him. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Like you said, after the, uh, after the CWD with the elk stuff, it's uh good that you avoided that. I thought you were in the, in the, um, CWD core area there, but I couldn't remember for yep. sure. Yep. And I had, uh, cause obviously the one is like barely a five point and the other one's a six point. And so if anybody counts points here in Michigan, you know, you have a restricted tag and a non-restricted, um, but in the core area, it doesn't matter. They want you to shoot basically any deer you see, uh, just to kind of keep the population down. And those were the first two deer I had, uh, come into range while I was hunting. So <laughs> they're the ones that got it. <laughs> But. Yeah, worked out good. Pretty good fall. I mean, good trip to Colorado. Obviously, it didn't quite end the way you wanted it to, but a pretty sweet trip. And then a good uh, weekend at the end of bow season and 
in the Michigan opener gun there. So good fall yep. for you overall. Yep. I had, I ate a doe tag, but I was still had a really good turnout that weekend and I was pretty happy with it. So. <laughs> yeah. Two out of three isn't bad. Yep. All right. Next up we have Logan Clark uh, here to tell his dear story. Logan and I have known each other for a long time. Um, his brother and I graduated high school together. And so of course, Logan, Logan was always there being only a year younger than Corey, um, hunted together, fished together. Um, he's a part of our bird camp and has been for a while. Uh, Logan, you and Corey took a trip up to Northern Michigan and, and Corey's not here because, uh, he did not want to participate in the podcast. So I am here to He's not going to listen to this, but you I'm going to give him shit for it. That's for sure. But <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, you guys went up North. You kind of did your own little old fashioned deer camp, um, towards the end of, uh, the first bow season. Uh, why don't you tell yeah, us about it? Um, well, we used to always just hunt locally, you know, as most of us grew up, we had a, you had a place to go. That's where you went. And that has over the years just kind of faded away to where we, didn't really have the option to to hunt and track which ethically kind of made us reconsider our options and well I went to school uh up in northern Michigan and having you know just gone with you guys to bird camp that was my first public land experience was hunting birds in northern Michigan and I wanted to be able to hunt you know I couldn't take the five-hour drive back home and just hunt every weekend like I would like to. So I kind of just took the approach that you kind of taught us with looking at cover maps, found out about some areas that had good food sources in Northern Michigan. And when I went to college, that's what I did. I scouted a lot and found some places where deer were. Um, and I actually had a really good couple of years up there deer hunting after we lost the ability to really hunt down here the last couple of years, Corey had an idea that, Hey, we should go back to Alpena. And that's kind of how it started. We just kind of planned to go back to where I had hunted before and, um, scout maybe some other areas that I hadn't hunted before and just kind of see what we could find. Um, he looked up, uh, Airbnb place that we could, you know, set up camp. And the cool thing was it was only, I don't know, 25 minutes from the uh, trailhead to get back into that public land chunk. So it was really a pretty easy access. Uh, we were going to hunt for, I think, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then opening day would have been Monday. We decided the Thursday we got up there that we were just going to scout and see if we could find any sign in areas that I had gone and then where else we could find some sign and just kind of get a game plan. And ironically, we found a ton of sign, just scrapes and rubs absolutely everywhere. Uh, pretty much just covered a lot of ridge lines where we thought deer might be and bordering what we thought was food sources and cover or uh, uh, bedding areas, you know, just kind of stuck to the basics and there wasn't really a whole lot of other hunters up there. There was a uh, one camp. Um, I couldn't tell if they were actually going to bow hunt or if they were just waiting for opening day, but we decided just to kind of stay away from them. And, uh, we ended up the evening of our scouting trip. We ended up, uh, having a young buck, like a little basket, six point, just nose to the ground grunting. I mean, the, the thing was, <laughs> It was no more than 20 yards in front of us. We just stood still. Neither of us had our bows with us, but it would have been just a chip shot from either one of us to shoot this buck. It felt really promising, you know, going into the next day. Temperatures were low. Wind was perfect. And uh, we were pretty excited going into that first morning on Friday morning. Um, we were both saddle hunting. Uh, made getting in and out a heck of a lot easier. As you know, I mean, you saddle hunt and it's kind of a game changer, public land hunting. I used to have to haul that, uh, climber that you gave me or I bought from you. You remember that one, the old trapper or old man stand. So, yep. I remember that old man. That, yeah. That, that definitely got me stand for sure. on the deer 
when I was up there before, but saddle hunting kind of made it a little easier. You could pick a tree a lot better. So we each had a spot. Corey and I, I think we're, there was a, we were basically hunting a giant uh, hardwoods flat on top of a ridge. And then at the bottom of the ridge was a really thick aspen cut, which ironically held birds. We kicked a ton of birds up walking around. But we, uh, I think we were probably about 150 yards away from each other. And uh, that first morning, and I, I don't think it was even an hour into the sit, and the woods just exploded. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you how big it was, but it was a very nice buck. Uh, he was chasing a doe. And then soon, soon enough, here come three more bucks. Just They were all hot on this one doe, and then there were some other does that came out. And it, it was just nuts that first morning, and Corey and I are texting back and forth, hey, they're coming your way, hey, they're coming your way. And, um, I ended up getting full draw on this nice buck, um, got him to stop. But as you know, with saddle hunting, you can't really go trimming lanes in the public land woods. So he stopped. I had some brush in front of him, uh, between me and him, and I wasn't able to shoot. He took off, circled back around with the doe, ran right in front of me again at this time five yards, but never stopped. And then they took off into the aspen cut. It wasn't 20 minutes later. Corey says, I shot a buck. I'm thinking it's that huge one. Um, He was just so geeked to try to shoot something that he ended up uh, lowering his normal standards. And uh, he took, I think it was a five point, just a smaller basket rack, five point, made a great shot on it. He watched it drop. I think it was only like 30 yards away. So he's all geek, got one down, sending me texts. I'm like, all right, well, let's just hold off and wait for, you know, the woods to kind of sell. We'll sit till about 11, 11.30, and then get down and go take care of him. <laughs> he texts me five minutes later. I see the big one. He ends up uh, taking a shot, said he hit far back. He wasn't really sure about the shot, but he saw where it took off and where it headed. Um, waited till that 1130 mark, got down, walked to him, went over, we tagged his uh, first buck that he shot. And then, man, we looked all over the place. We could not find a drop of blood from that other one. Um, kind of followed where he went. You could see we tracked it basically just following a footpath, whatever tracks he was scuffing around on the ground. And he went into the Aspen cut. Corey ended up finding one small drop of blood, but we ended up uh, splitting up. Uh, We went and had some lunch at the truck. We ended up splitting up afterwards. He went and took care of his buck that he killed. And uh, upon further investigation, he ended up finding a limb that was definitely sliced open from his arrow and took a picture, sent it to me. Yeah, I mean, it it looked pretty convincing. He probably hit hit a branch and just like me not being able to shoot, I mean, there's so much brush and under undercover stuff there that, I mean, it's pretty easy to miss. Um, so we lost the big one. He got the other one. Super geeked. Uh, I brought up a pack that I had to haul it out, and he, he was just so geeked to be able to haul a, a buck out on public land, his first public land buck, throw it on his back and take it up to the truck and had a pretty good celebratory night that night. Next morning, a little yeah, slow. Yeah, it slowed down a bit. Um, Corey ended up. No, I. Oh no, I that night wasn't too bad. <laughs> we we were we behaved ourselves. We wanted to hunt, so. Um, but it was a slower uh, morning, and actually that evening was pretty slow. Um, didn't really see much. Corey kind of had a, a lot more action in that same stand location. I ventured around to some other spots just to, I don't know, check out some different area. Saw some does, and then there was a, a notorious little spike that just kept showing up about every sit. Um, kind of slow that next day. That would have been Saturday. 
Um, then Sunday, Corey had an idea to hunt the other side of the road. There was another pretty defined ridge line, and we decided to, somebody should sit there. And I didn't at first, and Corey thought he should have, and come to find out, yeah, it was a good idea because later that, that Sunday evening, um, I ended up getting a crack at a doe, uh, took a doe that evening. So at that point, you know, this is Sunday evening now. We have opening day morning on Monday, and we've got a doe down and a buck down. It's already been a successful trip. We're pretty geeked. And weren't really too serious about getting out for opening day of gun season. But, uh, you know, it's opening, it's a gun opener of Michigan, so it's still exciting, as you know. Um, but we celebrated a little harder, so that next morning was a little bit slower. And uh, we got out there, I ended up sitting in the same area, and it was like the very first morning we sat, the woods just exploded. Um, I couldn't tell you how many deer I saw or how many deer ran around. I mean, it was just bucks on does. There was a fresh snow on the ground, which made it even cooler. You know, you can see for miles. And uh, Corey actually didn't see a whole lot of deer action. I'm not sure if he even saw any on opening morning, but <clears throat> I ended up seeing a bunch of them, and it was getting towards the time that we need to get down, and Sure enough, here, here comes a buck. Like, well, I'm gonna be probably be done after this. You know, we're getting pretty busy at work, so I ended up uh, taking a shot. Made a good shot as a a four point. Uh, again, not my biggest, but it was still exciting. I'd actually never packed out uh, a deer before in my life, so we found it, and you know, we did a gutless method. Got them all butchered up and thrown on my back, and that's a it's a cool feeling to walk out with the whole animal on your back and get up to the truck. Went up there on a whim, and we both came home with I came home with two deer. He came home with one. Pretty dang successful trip in my book. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, we were uh, that whole weekend we were texting with Corey, uh, me and the guys were and whatnot. And we were texting with you too. And it was such a cool thing that you guys did, um, to get that camp experience again. Um, and to just go do it, you know, I mean, I think that's the mantra that a lot of people have or don't have is that they're nervous that they won't get anything or they won't see anything, but you guys put in the work with scouting on that one day. Um, you guys found where the food was, you found where the bedding was, and you found where the deer was. What did that mean to you to be able to go up there, put in the work in a day, and come out of there and be successful? I mean, I think uh, for a lot of us, it's like the anticipation. I think we have more fun just trying to figure figure these animals out more than anything. And I'm not going to lie, using uh, some of the mapping systems that are out there today in Onyx, it's... I mean, it's a game changer being able to see these ridgelines a little bit better and find where the food sources are. But like I said, I mean, we we didn't just, hey, let's walk in the woods and see what we find. You know, we we looked where the best stuff seemed to be and went in. And I mean, there was just there was deer sign. And, you know, luckily for us, there was a lot of deer sign. Uh, I don't think that area gets hunted very hard, at least during bow season. I remember when I was up there for school, you know, I think I ran into like three people during bow season, the whole bow season. And, uh, it, it kind of seemed to be the same way. The gun opener was a whole different ball game. I mean, there's a lot of people out then, but, um, I think the deer have a lot of places to hide and that, and that area in particular just seems to hold and being able to figure out where exactly they're holding it. I mean, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And, and I can speak to what you're saying about trying to figure them out. Like that's the game. Like, like, yeah, the, you know, the, the moment of, of the shot and, you know, the animal approaching the shot, the kill, the, all that, that is all very exciting. And, and, you know, there is some fun to it, but everything in between is, can be really boring oh, yeah. too. I mean, 
like, but the anticipation of like figuring out, like, we're going to get one. I think, I think there's a buck in here. I think there's a deer in here. Like that's, that's the hunt, Like that's the hunt. That's a lot of fun. So, um, what did it mean to do that with your brother? Well, kind of going back to what you were saying about, uh, you know, having a camp, you know, we grew up, my dad and my uncle, grandpa and other friends, we used to do deer camp every year for before opening day of gun season. And we have not had that in a very long time. And to be able to at least do it with my brother, we tried getting my dad to come up, but I think he'll do it next year. Now, knowing <laughs> not now that he yeah, knows knowing deer. it was pretty good. So he, he said, yeah. you guys uh, do a trial run and let me know how it goes. And I think he's yeah. pretty well convinced, which, you know, he had a good opening weekend and all that too, but, um, it was, it was fun to do it with Corey. It was just him and I, you know, um, yeah. I mean, you did your trip with your uncle and you kind of get how that is with going with a family member or anybody that's important to hunting with you to just kind of hang out and shoot the shit and try to make something happen at least. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that your dad goes next year. I think he'll, I think, if, you know, I can see, cause I mean, he, he already goes up to camp for, you know, a few days and whatnot, and then going all the way back up there again, four weeks later is a lot, but I think he'd really, really enjoy oh, yeah. it. Uh, especially being able to hang out with you yep. too. And so. I think uh, next year, um, I'm going to be taking my son Colton with me to get him that, uh, I think he's kind of at the age now where he's ready to go. And I think it'd be cool for him to go way, you know, five hours away to, to go do a pretty cool hunting trip, see some different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Hey man, that was awesome. Um, like I said, I hope that, I hope that you guys are able to do it again. Uh, it sounds like you guys are planning on doing it again, right? Yeah. Uh, as long as everything works out for the both of us, you know, a lot of days in between now and then, but, uh, I hope we can get up there again. And we like doing the, you know, the early, the bow hunt and then try to at least get opening day in. I mean, I kind of like how yeah. that worked out. Yeah. Um, that's pretty, that's pretty handy to be able to do that. We were able to, uh, there's a, a public, um, shooting range. Anybody can go to that was up there. So we did go and make sure we were dialed in before we went out for opening day, but that kind of, you know, that, that helps to be able to do that, you know, traveling with a firearm and all that. You want to make sure you're still good, but yeah, I, I hope we get to do it again. It was a lot of fun. I hope so too. I look forward to hearing about the next one. Yeah, for sure, man. Hey everybody. Thanks for tuning into part one of our virtual buck pool series. We uh, had enough participation that we decided to split this into two parts for you guys. Um, so stick around, same time, same place next week, and we will bring you part two. Um, just like to give a big shout out and uh, thanks to everybody who participated. It was super cool interacting with you guys and uh, look forward to doing this again in the future.